Welcome to the G3 Podcast, a weekly podcast focused on the Christian life where we examine doctrinal and cultural issues that impact God's church. My name is Josh Bice, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy Voilo. Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. I'm Josh Bice, and today I will be joined by a friend of mine, Mike Riccardi, who serves as one of the pastors with John MacArthur at Grace Community Church in California. And the goal of the conversation is to discuss the pastoral and ministry challenges during this pandemic. As you can imagine, this pandemic has affected all sorts of various different areas of our culture, from the business sector to the political sphere, and now, again, the church itself. Uh, Again, just by mere definition, the church is called to assemble. We are called to be a together people. We are to be worshiping together, gathering together. We are to be breaking bread together, fellowshipping with one another, and, and serving our God together. Yet, through this pandemic, we've been asked by the very governing authorities who lead us to not assemble. Again, we look at uh, events and we look at uh, businesses and we look at you know the athletic sphere, the entertainment world. They've all canceled. They've all shut down. And yet we have people today who are saying, if the church bows to this command, it is the same as bowing to Caesar. And so we need to ask ourselves an honest question. Is that so? Is this the same as bowing to Caesar? Is this some sort of persecution on the church? And I say that it's not. I say that this is definitely a Romans 13 issue. However, I am sympathetic to the idea that the political leaders do not have the authority to tell the church what to do. I am very much sympathetic that this is a bit of an overreach for their um, authority and their uh, lines of authority, if you will. However, it's a request from them that we would submit to this request. The medical professionals, the CDC, and again, all of these leaders are working together to say, if we can do this, and if we can do it well, that we can stop the spread of this horrible virus. As we look at the stats just this week, we see that the United States has now surpassed Italy and other countries now with the number of cases of the COVID-19 coronavirus. And as we think about that, we think about what it would do to our churches, what it would do to our own uh, Christian community if we were to continue to meet. So wisdom tells us that we should not assemble during this time for the love of neighbor, for the good of our church, and for the, the, the modeling of what it means to be a faithful citizen, first and foremost as a follower of Christ, yet living in a, in a world where we are led by civil leaders and governing authorities, and yet we should submit to them. And so as we think about this, this is a complex ethical issue. What do we do? Uh, How far do we go? How long should we wait before we assemble again? And yet we long to assemble. So for this very conversation, I wanted to invite Mike Riccardi into this conversation to discuss these issues together, to talk about from, from the perspective of a pastor, yet both of us serving as pastors, to talk about how we can be encouraged during this season, how we can try to navigate the challenges during this season. So Mike Riccardi, welcome to the G3 Podcast. Thanks, Josh. Great to be with you. 
Yeah. So just wanted to say once again, Shepherd's Conference recently was a wonderful blessing. My elders and I were able to be in attendance and obviously just a, a wonderful time of fellowship just preceding this entire pandemic. And as always, when I'm at Shepherd's Conference, it's just a wonderful treat. But just wanted to say that your sermon was a wonderful, wonderful uh, inclusion and addition to the conference itself. Thinking through the the issues that we as a church cannot budge on, to, you know, to have a 2020 vision in this this age of confusion where many are capitulating on very important theological truths. And so you did an excellent job of presenting the the humanity of Christ. And so just wanted to encourage you there, brother. Yeah, thank you, my friend. It was a, it was a joy for me to be a part of that. Absolutely. Also wanted to say that it's it's also a joy to partner with the Master Seminary as we're thinking through the issues of trying to help be an encouragement to local churches and to think about how we as a ministry could be a help to local churches. What better way to do that than to put an emphasis on the health of the pulpit? And so G3 is partnering with the Master Seminary to do just that, to point people to the Master Seminary for education and for good resources. And so, again, that's that's something that's going to be developing over the next several months leading up to the next G3, which would be next October, one year from this October. And so we're delighted about that as well and to have that partnership. But as we think about this specific pandemic that's facing the church today, again, we've been hearing health officials and the president of the United States, as well as other leaders, talking about this this challenge to the economy. We're hearing all sorts of language about how they're going to try to help, you know, the the health of the economy and and try to, you know, step into this this massive situation that's just really unfolded very quickly. But as we think about these issues, we certainly must be focused on how it's impacted the church. And so businesses have canceled, events have canceled, conferences have canceled, weddings have canceled, funerals have canceled. But yet, as we think about the ministry, the ongoing ministry of local churches have been drastically impacted by this pandemic. So as we think about this, Mike, how should we how should we encourage churches to think about not assembling? I mean, Hebrews 10.25 teaches us that we should absolutely assemble by mere definition of the church itself. The word ecclesia means a called out assembly. So we should be assembling to worship. We should not forsake that. But yet also we see this, this text in Romans 13 that teaches us that as faithful Christians, we should be in submission to the governing authorities. So how do we balance both of those texts in the midst of this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge, a huge issue and an important question to answer. I mean, as I think through it, I think of a couple of things. The first thing to say is that, um, you know, this is not a case of persecution. It's not as if the government has specifically targeted churches and told us to close our doors. Um, this is a shutdown of, of everything except what they deem to be absolutely necessary for the continuation of society, you know, healthcare workers and, and uh, play, play, uh, places like grocery stores and things that are going to supply um, people's needs. Um, the government isn't prohibiting us from meeting because of the message we're preaching or the doctrine we're teaching. It's not as if they've, they've come and they've said, you know, we forbid you to speak in this name, you know, Acts 4 and 5. Um, you know, th- this is literally a, a pandemic about us. 
given this uh, coronavirus. And uh, the government is asking us to be good citizens by not creating an environment where something like this spreads with the result being, um, you know, aside from the obviously the physical ramifications upon people, whether they're uh, just, you know, normal, healthy people or whether they're uh, people who are not such in great health or or maybe elderly people. I mean, not only is the issue, you know, um, physical, you know, there, but it's also, you know, the concern about overwhelming a healthcare system uh, that, you know, just simply doesn't have the resources to, su- to support, you know, thousands and thousands of people flocking to hospitals uh, with symptoms or getting tests because they're, they're concerned. Um, so, so they're, they're asking us to be good citizens and, and we can be good citizens and submit to our authorities as, as Romans 13 says, as you mentioned, first Peter two says the same thing, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Um, and, and Peter goes on to talk about that, you know, to be submissive, even, even when things are unreasonable and it finds favor with God, if we bear up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, um, I'm, I'm, you know, sensitive to the notion that, you know, the government mandating everybody to stay at home may very well be a breach of their authority. I'm sensitive to that that uh, notion, but at the same time, even if it is, I think God calls us as Christians to submit to those uh, things and to to bear up under suffering unjustly, if it is, if it can even be called uh, suffering. Um, we can we can love our neighbors by complying. Uh, with this order for a few weeks and and uh, and submit to our authorities. Very good. Yeah, as we think through uh, this this challenge that's been presented to the local church, what would you say to those who are seeking to shame fellow Christians into assembling? Because I've engaged with a, a few of those discussions in recent days as we've made the decision, like many others, to live stream our, our church service on the Lord's Day rather than actually asking people to gather and meet, which would then again, be out of step with their maximum number of 10, which they've placed on this mass gathering, you know, sort of equation that they're trying to use. So when you hear people saying, well, again, it's more than just being sensitive to the fact that they might be overstepping or overreaching in their authority, but yet now I'm going to shame others into actually assembling. So how would you help us think through that that very conversation that seems to be continuously surfacing on social media? Sure. Yeah. Well, first, I'd say that shaming people tends not to be a very good pastoral motivator for much, <laughs> and so maybe that's not the the best way to go. I mean, if you're going to make an argument, appeal to the mind by the scriptures, and and uh, yeah, bring that bring the truth to bear on the heart. But um, if, if it's if it's a matter of shaming, it's probably the wrong way to go. But secondly, I would say that, look, I, I very much understand those brothers' concern, right? It shouldn't sit easily with us that we can't be with our church family at this time. I'm glad that people hold the gathered assembly in, in that kind of high regard. And I sympathize with the thought that our government is going beyond its constitutional authority, again, perhaps. And when, you know, when Planned Parenthood is deemed an essential service while the church is deemed non-essential— I'll be frank with you, it bugs me and it, and it presses on my sense of justice. I think that's an unjust notion. And to be honest, it, it tempts me to, to rebellion. So I, I get it. But again, I just go back to, to Romans 13, to 1 Peter 2. 
the fact that this mandate is temporary. It, you know, it's not that they've said uh, you need to stop gathering indefinitely. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. No, th this is a this has got a specific purpose. It's got a specific expiration date. I mean, there are people in our churches who go on vacation or who visit ailing family members across the country or who away or away from church for uh, a few weeks for for a number of reasons and and we understand that we don't discipline them out of the church for that we know where they are we know that they're coming back and so on so also in this case we we know where they are we know that, that we're we're coming back soon um again this isn't this isn't persecution this is not um I'm targeting religious individuals and want them to stop meeting now Somebody may argue this this sets a precedent that might be you know tending in that direction for us somewhere down the line, but I think we've got to we've got to deal with that when we get there, and you know you know sufficient for the day or the troubles thereof. Um, and look, I'm convinced that obedience to Christ in this situation means submitting to the authorities that He's providentially placed over me. If somebody is seeking to shame Christians into assembling what they're actually seeking to shame them to do is to disobey these other passages romans 13 first peter 2 uh as well as the dictates of their own conscience and so i would say look make your case but for the people who uh are, are the people who are not assembling i mean maybe some people are doing it because mm -hmm. they're just like oh great i don't have to wake up on sunday but i think the overwhelming majority of christians want to be together and they're doing this for conscience sake out of obedience to other passages, um, so so shaming them is is you know causing them to would be to cause them to go against conscience, which is is never a good thing. Right. Well, shifting gears just a bit, thinking about technology again. Technology is a wonderful tool, right? And so we, we can look at God's common grace and the development of of technology is a is a wonderful thing, right? But when we start thinking about you know the use of technology we think about the ordinary means of grace. So as we think about the church gathering for worship on a normative basis, the ordinary means of grace, the right preaching of the word, the right administration of the ordinances, and then prayer, we think about the functionality of the church. But when we think about this, this pandemic season, this social distancing season, we can make use of this technology, but it's a mere Band-Aid approach, right? Because this this technology is really incapable of delivering to the church the ordinary means of grace in totality, correct? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I think that that the technology is a wonderful tool. I mean, uh, I taught a, an apologetics class at the Master Seminary via Microsoft Teams last Thursday. I'll do it again, do it again this Thursday. And, and for the most part, it felt like class as usual, except I couldn't see everybody's face, except for when they wanted to talk, they popped up on the screen. I mean, who, who would have thought that? I mean, five years ago, that wouldn't have been uh, workable. Um, you know, I, I'm one who lives, you know, away from family. And so my parents see their grandchildren mostly through FaceTime. And, you know, it's not the same, but boy, what a difference just seeing their faces and being able to see have them see the kids uh, is, you know, versus a, just a regular phone call. Um, so technology is, is going to be great. I've set up a, a Facebook group for, for our adult fellowship group at Grace Church, and people have begun interacting that way, sharing prayer requests. I mean, that is glorious. Somebody just said, uh, man, I didn't realize I would miss fellowship this much. And then another, another person jumped on the, the comment thread and said, hey, FaceTime me anytime. You know, I know that Bible studies are talking about meeting via Zoom. 
Um, so uh, the technology is wonderful, but it is insufficient, right? There, like you said at the beginning of the of the the program here, that the word church means assembly. It means gathering. It means congregation, and and so a non-assembled assembly or a non-gathered gathering is a as a contradiction in terms. There is no such thing as as virtual church, and so um, yeah, there's something different about the way the Lord inhabits the praise of His people as the gathered assembly. There's something different about the the body gathering together when all the members come together, rather than like the the parts of the body, the members meeting individually. Um, and then you mentioned the ordinances, right? Uh, you know, we can't baptize digitally. We can't partake of the Lord's Supper digitally. I mean, it's called communion, fellowship, and the fact that we're all separate. Um, I think, I mean, maybe people might have their arguments, but I think that as an ordinance of the church to be overseen by the overseers and uh, and to be partaken of as a family, I think that's something that we do only when we're together. And And so, even the digital means, you know, can't overcome that. And just on a very practical level, um, the singing and the, the the worship music doesn't come through very well on Zoom or on Teams. So uh, there's something. There's going to be something uh, great about gathering again t- together after all of this is over. And, uh, and and it should feel great. It should feel different because it is different. These are good, like you said, band aids. These are good you know, get me by kind of solutions. But, uh, but the church, you know, is the church when it's, when it's gathered and it's assembled. Yeah. Very good point. You can't really put the organ music of grace church through the speakers of your laptop. Correct. (laughs) No, not, not going to work too well. (laughs) Yeah. So here recently I've heard of, of, of a mega church pastor and he was suggesting that this pandemic should teach us how to do church differently moving forward. And, you know, that sort of made me think about this very thing that we're talking about, the use of technology. I'm quite certain that moving forward, there are going to be all sorts of pragmatists that are going to want to, you know, rethink church or redefine how the church, you know, meets and assembles and functions. But the interesting thing is uh, another church leader that I saw put out a tweet suggesting that, you know, during this season, our live stream sermons should be quite short. And he suggested 15 minutes and be more conversational uh, rather than preaching to the people. But interestingly enough, I saw Dr. MacArthur uh, has preached the last two weeks at Grace Church to an empty auditorium. And so why, why would he stand and preach to an empty room when he has thousands of archives and, you know, th- through grace to use ministry that could just be easily live streamed to the church. And then, you know, a simple letter from uh, Dr. MacArthur could be sent out to the church. Why preach in a live event with no one in the room through live stream? Sure. Yeah. Well, a couple of things there. I mean, I think that for one thing, though, preaching is absolutely essential uh, to a worship service. I don't think that you have the worship service when it's, you don't think of the worship service as merely preaching, right? You don't have church merely when you've heard a sermon. Um, th- there's more to it than uh, than that, even though the, the preaching of the word of God is the, the lifeblood of uh, the gathered assembly. So um, for one thing, you don't just, you don't just say, hey, listen to another sermon and okay, you've had church. 
No, you haven't had church, you know, but, but there is something, even though it's insufficient, there is something about, Hey, all of us are getting up at the, the same time. We're, we're, uh, attending to, uh, what's going on with the singing. We're standing up and we're singing together in our own homes. We're praying when our pastor prays, we're reading the scripture when our pastor reads the scripture, and then we're hearing him, uh, preach. And then we're responding in worship. Um, again, that that's not sufficient, but it's, it's, uh, as close as we can possibly be. And I think that if we're trying to, if we're trying to obey Hebrews 10, right, we want to get as close to it as we can possibly get, uh, given the constraints that are on us. Um, so number one, God commands us to preach. He commands us to meet. And even though we're, we're meeting digitally, which is sort of a contradiction in terms, you know, it, it's, it's better that we do that than, oh, just stay home and throw a sermon on, on, you know, the, the laptop or on your phone whenever it works. Uh, two, I think people want to hear from their pastor. I think people want to hear how the word of God is to be brought to bear on the present crisis. Um, I think that, they, that it brings comfort to a congregation to hear an in-season word from their shepherd. Um, you know, we want to, we don't want to just hear, you know, what Pastor John has said about previous uh, controversies and crises and calamities. We, we want to hear what he's saying now, what God has put on his, his heart now as he's the one that has been providentially chosen to lead us. We want his leadership in this moment, um, something more than I think, you know, a brief letter might achieve. And, uh, and then beyond that, I mean, it's a delight for Pastor John and for, for any of us who, you know, who are pastors to shepherd the sheep at this time. You know, the true shepherds yearn to give this kind of care uh, to the sheep who some are going to be fearful, some are going to be flustered, um, some are going to be, you know, wondering how to think on these issues. Um, and so, frankly, I just think you couldn't stop Pastor John from <laughs> giving a sermon uh, live to the people. Uh, because that it's in his heart to do that. He's a, he's a shepherd at heart and, uh, and, and needs to, to give comfort where he can. Mm, Yeah. Really good words. Well, let's talk about money for a moment. Um, we've been hearing an awful lot of talk about the economy, the shutdown and the impact that it would have on the economy. And, you know, we've been hearing talk about stimulus plans and, and large sums of money and increased debt and all sorts of things. But, as we think about that conversation from an economic standpoint, and then we hear about events that are being canceled. Recently, a large conference was canceled um, uh, as far as an evangelical conference. Um, just today, the Southern Baptist Convention announced that we will not have the annual meeting in June. And so again, there's a whole list of ways to get refunded for various different things, right? But when we think about the local church's ministry, our giving through the local church is an offering to God, right? So when we think about how we approach God in our giving and then how we support the ministries of the church through a budget, we need to be very critical in how we think of this and yet not think about it in the sense that we might think about an event or some other thing that we're asking for a refund from. So how would you help maybe pastors think about this or maybe even church members who might be listening to this think about how they should be faithful stewards financially through this pandemic. Yeah, I think to, it's it's important to distinguish what you said, you know, about an event versus church. You know, our offerings each Sunday, you know, are not payment for services rendered. 
You know, they're not a, a referendum on the on the worship songs or or on the sermon. You know, I, I like that worship set, so yeah, I'll, I'll give my offering today. Or that was a really great sermon, so I'll I'll do a little bit more. Or, that wasn't so great a sermon, or so I'll give it a little bit less. I mean, that that's not what what giving in worship and offerings are to God at all. That those are you know, uh, this is our part of our, our obedient worship to God. He he is the rightful owner of all things, and he prospers us. Um, whatever we have is, is a gift from him. And so, he, you know, it's our joy to, to give of our first fruits uh, back to him as we acknowledge that all we have, we have from him, from our own hand, uh, we give to him, you know, David says in First Chronicles 29. And so, uh, and so yeah, ch- church is not, you know, a, a, we call it a worship service, but the service isn't to the congregation. The service is to God. We, it's an offering of, of worship and service and adoration to him, uh, not, okay, we're providing a service to spectators who come and then say, okay, I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll donate to this or something. No, this is, this is something that, that God um, is worthy of from each of us and, and, and even demands uh, from each of us from a will, from, from, you know, from a willing heart. And so, yeah, there's that thought. Number two, the idea you spoke of budgets, I mean, it's true that in in most in most churches, you know, polity, um, at the very least, that you know, even if you have a very strongly elder led and elder ruled congregation, you know, the the congregation sees the budget published by the elders um, and says, yeah, you know, we're going to commit to that by being a, a member here, we're going to do our part to see that uh, goal be met um, because. We're supporting the work of God in this place. This the, the the universal body of Christ is locally expressed in this place. I've asked these men to oversee my spiritual life and to care for me, and uh, as much as I can, you know, I'm going to follow their leadership when they say, "Here's what we need and can expect to do ministry the way that we uh, believe God is calling us to do." And so I, I'm I want to meet that that goal for, for folks with a more congregational polity, they've flat out come up and said, yeah, we, we, in a vote, we, we, we will meet this need. And so you need to honor that commitment for sure. Um, and, but then just the, the notion that, uh, you know, that you, you just want to, you want to keep the work of God going in, in this place. Um, you, you, you know, you need your pastor's, uh, care of you. And uh, he needs, in order for for him to survive, he needs the these things to go on as they as they've gone on. And if, and for a church like us, at Grace Church, you know, where you know uh, nearly a hundred missionary families all throughout the world and TMAI training centers, you know, th- they count you know on us and and our church for support uh, here at home to to operate. You know that that's an even greater stewardship that we have to say, okay, in this time. Uh, the church, you know, doesn't just uh, continue meeting, what, you know, the, the requirements that we have met. In this time, the church digs deep, and and in the the difficulty of our circumstances, our our joy in Christ overflows in the wealth of our liberality. To use the language of the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians eight, you know, the Macedonians there were were in deep poverty and has severe affliction. And yet the abundance of their joy in those circumstances overflowed in deep poverty as they begged Paul with much urging for the favor 
of participating in the needs of the saints. And so that really needs to be our model that now this is a time that we get to step up and to shoulder the burden um, uh, for the people of God. And some of us are going to be in, in positions to do that uh, more readily now than others, right? Some of us are very adversely affected by the shutdown of the economy. But if you're able, right, you know, now is the time uh, where if you have plenty, you know, it, it, it's time to uh, meet the needs of the brethren so that at another time when you may not have plenty uh, and they might have plenty, they can meet your needs. Second Corinthians 8, 15. Mm. Throughout church history, again, the church is no stranger to dealing with, with you know, issues of controversy and, you know, sickness and disease and that sort of thing. And as we look back at even Martin Luther, as he faced the Black Death in his day, again, refusing to leave, refusing to flee the city, but instead turning his home into a bit of a hospital to care for people that he had labored with, that he had loved, that he had taught. Um, and so again, we see that the church historically has responded well during times of disease and sickness and controversy and trial. And we can see that even from the pages of church history. But yet, as we think about this specific pandemic and this specific challenge that we're facing today, how can we look back at church history, perhaps, and see some examples of maybe local churches that responded well or situations that, um, you know, necessitated faithful decision-making by pastors that they were able to navigate those seasons well? Is there a specific example that you could point to? Maybe a story of how, you know, I don't know if it was in Calvin's day that the company of pastors um, in Geneva, you know, when they were dealing with any any sort of pestilence, you know, were the ones to sort of go into danger first because they knew that their eternity was secured and that, that the end of their present life uh, only meant, you know, face-to-face communion with Christ without sin. And, uh, you know, the, the worst the worst that, that death does to us is it chases us to our reward. And so, um, you know, maybe that in, in this notion that, look, if there's going to be uh, some of us who have to suffer, you know, we as Christians ought to be the ones eager to to suffer and to even lay down our lives, if indeed it, it was to come to that for the sake of bringing the gospel to others, for the sake of preferring one another in honor. Um, certainly, you know, the example you mentioned with Luther and, and sort of opening of opening of the homes, um, you know, you think of of Spurgeon and the orphanage and, and George Mueller and the orphan and the orphanage that he ran, you know, Christians have always been the ones to, uh, to, to run ahead, to show the compassion of Christ, uh, to, to a world in need because they themselves have, are, are, are the ones most acquainted with God's compassion because their sins are forgiven and their, their righteousness is given to them as a free gift. And so I think it's just important for us to remember that, um, you know, how, how, how can we prosper during a pandemic? We can be rich in faith, James 2.5. We can be rich in good works, 1 Timothy 6.18. Um, we, can, we can pray for one another. We can uh, come together digitally. We can, we can long more earnestly uh, to be together. You know, Paul talks in Philippians about how he longs for them all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Um, and, and we can, we, yeah, we can, you know, that, that sort of trite phrase that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um, I mean, I think that's the, that, that's the, the secular version of Philippians one that, that, 
true believers uh, long for one another with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so uh, we can we can store up uh, the hope that, uh, you know, uh, uh, that'll be consummated once again when we see each other uh, in the congregation. Um, but yeah, out, outdoing one another and showing honor, being the quickest to show compassion uh, and, and laying down our lives for for the sake of others. Maybe even just practically like, you know what, you don't have to be the one who is stockpiling the toilet paper. You don't have to be, you don't have to be hip checking the old ladies in the paper goods aisle because you know what, you'll, you'll deal with it. God will provide one way or another. Um, you know, you don't have to worry as the Gentiles do because our, your heavenly father knows your needs before you ask. And so you can be free to be deferential and kind and not worrying about, well, where am I going to get my, my, uh, my paper goods or, or, my, you know, my eggs or my milk or whatever else. Um, you know, just, just trusting that, that God has his care for his people. And we've seen that we've seen people say, you know, yeah, I just haven't been able to, to get these things. I, I'd rather others have them. And then, uh, what you find out is, oh, I, I actually have uh, a few extra of these things, you know, an, another brother or sister and who lives nearby. I have a few extra rolls of toilet paper. I have a, a couple of eggs that you can have. Um, I was able to get this. And so you're welcome to it. And, and, and God does that. Uh, I think he, he provides where we, uh, where we lay our lives down and, and, give preference to others in honor. From a practical point of view, Mike, how are the pastors of Grace Community Church working to care for the flock during this pandemic? And as we come to a close in this conversation today, maybe you could also speak to pastors who are listening to this conversation. How would you encourage them to maybe think about caring for the flock? I mean, just for me personally, there's an elderly woman that had surgery this this past week. And uh, again, I missed the deadline by one day on this surgery because they shut down the hospital and would not allow me to visit. And then she was uh, subsequently diagnosed with stage four cancer after the surgery. And so I've had to minister to her through the phone. And yet it's a challenge to not be with people. I mean, they're weeping on the other end of the line. You want to console them as a pastor. You want to point them to the hope of the gospel. You want to be in their presence. But but you're hindered from that. So uh, just in terms of pastoral care and encouraging the flock, how are you guys approaching this? And then how would you encourage other pastors to maybe think through these challenges as well? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're having regular communication. Um, we, we, some of us recorded pre-recorded messages uh, ahead of the shutdown. I was actually a little bit under the weather myself, so I didn't get to do that. Um, I, I, we created a, a Facebook group for our, uh, adult, uh, fellowship group where, um, I'll be able to, uh, do any, some sort of live video. Phil and I might be able to do Q and a, we've got posts up for share prayer requests. We've got posts up for share needs. Um, uh, my leadership team and I will be meeting, uh, remotely tonight via conference call, uh, to talk about how each, um, Bible study shepherd uh, is going to be, you know, Bible study leadership team is going to be calling and and ministering to um, their uh, Bible studies, and then how we can, you know, for those who aren't in in small group Bible studies, how we can make ourselves accessible for them. It's going to be a lot of phone calls. It's going to be a lot of FaceTime or Skype. It's going to be uh, a lot of like Zoom or Teams type calls, and you know, yeah, pastors who are who are feeling the the pang of not being able to be in the physical presence of somebody. I mean, that's, that's the right thing to feel. And I would just encourage you that, you know, one, don't lose that. Don't grow uh, 
complacent with with this. This you should feel um, a loss, but also at the same time trust that that God is sovereign, that He is providentially ordered that you be apart for this time, and that He knows, um, you know, that this this woman, this you know, precious saint, was going to have this this terrible diagnosis at this time, um, and it, it was it did not escape uh, His omniscience, His decree. That, that that was to happen, and yet your loving and wise father determined that the best course of action for for her and for you uh, is to be apart physically at this time. And and you, we may not understand that, we may not get that, uh, but we trust that that's the case, and we and we act as best as we can um, given the the tools that are available to us. I do think we weep with those who weep, even if it's over the phone. I do think we rejoice with those who rejoice. We, we, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is um, we're trying to get a hold of, especially those who are homebound or shut in, uh, folks who ordinarily couldn't make it to church. We want to make sure that they're okay, uh, especially those who are elderly. We'd we'd like to have it be that that we can get their groceries uh, or necessities for them. Like we'll go out and and th- those of us who are younger and healthy. And maybe not as much at risk. We'll we'll be happy to go grab groceries and just drop them off, um, so that they don't have to uh, do those kinds of things. Uh, we've we've had yeah, needs assessed and groceries bought and dropped off and things like that. Uh, systematic calls of all of our homebounds and widows. Um, so there's there's a lot going on. Aside from that, I would say, you know, this is definitely not a vacation, right? If you're thinking, oh great, I don't have to prepare my sermon. For the uh, the next three or four weeks, like that's that's not the right response. If anything, this is the time to step up the shepherding care. Um, I would say keep preaching real sermons. Uh, maybe you don't necessarily need to continue in the series that you were in. You may, but if you want to address the issues of the sovereignty of God or or you know uh, worry, faith in a time of crisis, um, you know how how we can serve one another, what it means to submit to the government in a time like this. Those are all great. Uh, topics for for sermons, but keep preaching real sermons, not these fifteen minute homilies or sermonettes or short conversations. I mean, if you need to do that, do that in addition to your preaching, right? Uh, preach your sermon and then and then have the little conversational Q and A or whatever it is that you're going to do. Um, more contact, not less, is better. And uh, I would just say, call every one of the people that you're under, you know, as best as you can do it. Start with those who you think might be the most needy. Pray for each one. Um, keep a routine. Don't let this be, oh, I'm waking up at, at 8, 9, 10 o'clock uh, in the morning and and just kind of going like vacation style. No, like keep, keep the routine. Be praying for each one uh, systematically. And maybe above all, uh, as, as a pastor, as a shepherd, model a calm and settled confidence in the sovereign love and wisdom of God who orders all things, who has freely ordained whatsoever comes to pass. And this is, this is coming to pass. This is his wise plan for us now. And uh, just model for your people that this is okay. We're going to be fine. We're going to get through this and, uh, and we'll be the better for it. And it'll be the sweeter uh, to, to reunite in, uh, in the assembly of worship together when we can come back together. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. It's been a privilege to talk with you. You too, brother. Thank you so much. We want to make you aware of the fact that Mike Riccardi is going to be joining us for the 2021 G3 Conference. 
in October of 2021 here in Atlanta, Georgia. And so you can find out more information at our website, g3conference.com. Also, Mike will be leading an expository preaching workshop in November in California, and you can also find out information about that workshop, which would be a wonderful thing for a pastor to go to and to be able to engage in uh, the, the, the nuts and bolts of expositional preaching and to learn some additional tools that might benefit you in the pulpit. And so you can find out information there at g3conference.com. Once again, the goal of G3 Ministries is to provide you with good, solid biblical truth and content that would encourage you in your pursuit of Christ. And as you lead your churches and as you gather with your churches, it is our goal that G3 Ministries would be a means of encouraging you to be a healthy, contributing member of your local church for the glory of Christ. May God bless.